0: Hey everybody, don't forget to send in your story to the email in the description below to be featured on the podcast. Before she had her near-death experience with Jesus, listen to how one woman's understanding that the demonic and paranormal realm was real from a young age, as well as her journey through the new age and entertainment industry, led her to her journey of truth and finding out Jesus is real in this part one of two installment of Spirit Answers Podcast. Well, Elizabeth, welcome back to Spirit Answers Podcast.
1: Thank you so much for having me, brother.
0: Thank you. I'm excited it's, it's,
1: to sh- share this with you and with the world. I'm
0: I'm, I'm very thankful to have you on again, and, and very thankful uh, that God has provided a platform that we can share your testimony and in, in finding Christ uh, today. Which, you know, this is the third time actually that Elizabeth has been on the program. She was uh, on the program for a two parter before. Uh, the first part, if you want to go back, if you hadn't had a chance to take a look at that, it's called The Near-Death Experience That Matched the Bible Before She Read It. Um, that was entailing her, her um, near-death experience with Jesus, uh, and it was a two-parter. Um, so if you haven't had a chance to go back to, to listen to that, I really recommend that you go back and, and take a listen. That's that's a really, really powerful testimony right there in and of itself. Uh, but again, today we are going to be focusing on uh, how Elizabeth... Uh, found her relationship with Jesus. And it's, a, and it's an incredible testimony because it goes through a variety of different things like uh, uh, New Age, um, entertainment industry, Ouija boards. But it's interesting that her testimony, unlike many people that we have on the show, really comes back around to uh, her childhood. She had a relationship with Jesus back then. So mm-hmm. Elizabeth, if you want to go ahead and take it from there.
1: Okay. Um, I grew up, in New Jersey, and back east is very predominantly Roman Catholic. And it's a very different type of Roman Catholic back east back at that time as now here um, in Washington State is where I reside now. And so when I grew up in the Roman Catholic Church, you were expected to behave a certain way do things a certain way, and uh, very pomp. And and so that takes me to my first Holy Communion. So my mom always taught us about God. I I grew up knowing about the Creator and His Son, Jesus, and, of course, the holidays and things like that. Um, At the age of around six, you start to do your catechisms. And then you have your first Holy communion around seven. So being at seven, I, I was sitting in the church and I knew that I didn't want Jesus like the Jesus on the cross. Uh, I knew that there was a Jesus that wasn't on the cross anymore. So I actually even got in trouble when I was little first by the priest because i screamed he has risen in the middle of the church at about nine years old so i got a good weapon for that one Mm -hmm. but i um i wanted to have a relationship with him and i knew that it was possible i don't know how i knew that it was possible to have him you know a, a tangible understanding of who he is besides in a book that somebody else was reading And on the cross. So because you had, you know, you had your Easter and things like that. So there was those stories, but never the biblical understanding that you can have a relationship with him through the Holy Spirit. Right. So uh, as I was, let's see, first Holy Communion, I knew that I would be wearing a white dress and that I would be married to him which is really interesting because that's what he says, that we're his bride, right? And so that was my experience with him on my first Holy Communion. I Like nobody else was around. I was even making my first Holy Communion where my brother was present. He was doing his two, two two-in-one deal. And so um, I was marrying Jesus. So after that, I began a relationship with Jesus. Um, And it was probably about... Oh, you know, I started seeing a lot of hypocrisy being that I grew up in in a lot of abuse. My father was very abusive and uh, being, you you know, that God doesn't abuse children. You know that Jesus, if you have a relationship with him like I did, I knew he was my best friend. I would walk with him it, just like that song. You walk, you know, you walk with him, you talk with him and So at seven, eight, nine, I was walking with them, talking with them. And then I had an experience where I started to see the demonic realm. And I knew that my parents had become involved with the demonic realm at about nine because there was a a game. So they called it the Ouija board that came into the house and my parents were young. They had six children by the time they were 32. So they were young and there was a a charismatic movement that had come through, through the Roman Catholic Church at that time. And so a lot of people were doing things like seances. They were doing, you know, the Ouija board became very popular. So charismatic friends used to come over to my parents' house and sit and uh, play the Ouija board. After those times of their entertainment, so they called it, um, I would start seeing things around the house, the demonic. And then I began to see it enter into my own father. My father was a very uh, kind man when I was little, but I actually remember when I was little when I started to see the door open and his blue eyes turned black. So, And my mom became uh, mentally unstable because... They're demons. They come to kill, steal, and destroy. That's the devil. The mission is the devil is is here to kill us. And he knows, too, who we're going to be for God. And so that's why we always have, we have to fight. So my mother taught me that when I saw those things, to cry out to Jesus. And he would help me. So when I saw these things manifest, I would cry out to Jesus and they would go away. I would see and hear... Demonic things like pigs snorting, laughter, uh, what appear to be my dead relatives uh, uh, walking here and there. I know a lot of people are going to think this is out there, but listen, we live in a a universe that there is a demonic realm. You read your Bible, you find out that there's, you know, there's the heavenlies. There's there's the it, it speaks about. Uh, the principalities, powers, rulers, and spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. So God said it, it is. So let's see about, um, so that went on for quite a while. I saw the hypocrisy. I started to drink. I actually, my first drinking episode with my siblings was when I was nine years old, totally blitz drunk. Uh, I knew that alcohol would keep me from feeling the abuse and so around nine, I started to drink. Uh, 11, uh, 10, I started to smoke pot. 11, um, oh, I had to make my first or my confirmation. That was another religious ceremony. So I faked it till I made it. And I went to confirmation. And when I was doing all this, I was doing what you what you weren't allowed to do. And um, I was exploring the things. Um I was reading my sister's books. She didn't have, there was no Bible. I didn't have a Bible until I was 13. So I don't remember a Bible. I remember my mom having a rosary bead, and she would read, she would go around the rosary bead and we would sit at the table, but I don't remember ever having a Bible. So I don't know anything about the Bible except for when the the priest would speak Mm -hmm. and and you weren't allowed to have a Bible. When you made your first Holy Communion, you got a little white book that you thought was a Bible, but it was the Catholic catechisms and things like that. Mm -hmm. There was Scripture in it, but I was so little. I was seven, so um, my relationship was with Jesus. So, let's see, 12, I my mom ended up calling a priest in because I denounced Roman Catholicism at the age of 12. After, after my confirmation, I said, I want nothing to do with it. This is not the, you know, this is not the God that I, that I know. And he doesn't go to church on Sunday and he's not at church in the building on Sunday. And then you're allowed to do these things to your children. That's not okay. Okay. And so I knew that there was demons and I, I'd even told my father, my mother. So I started preaching to them at a very young age, even though I was doing the things that I was doing, I would, I was preaching. I was hmm. preaching to them, telling them that they need to stop using, you know, doing what they were doing. I told my mom that she needed to stop. I told on her actually to the priest about the, uh, automatic writing because she had him come because I was she she's very gentle and sweet and meek and sadly an abused woman my mother was not abusive my father was Mm. um so she was frightened for me because I was saying I don't want to be part of the church anymore and she had taken me to a church and they started to move in the charismatic and my dad ended up going too and so this was about 12. I ended up going to church camp and seeing a, a totally different way of Roman Catholicism. I st- I started seeing that they were laying on of hands, speaking in tongues, and they were really kind. And I thought, I actually thought to myself, God, do something that would make my dad know you're God. And they prayed for him, and he went down like a ton of bricks started shaking and he was scared and the thing is that the, even the word says that if you don't get filled with the holy spirit what happens
0: um that the, you get
1: to go ahead
0: yeah so essentially the demons come back is not like seven times worse or something like that
1: yes and so at around 12, 13, things in my life. I started to see things. Even my older sister said, see ya. And she left. And so there were six children, five girls, one boy. And I, and so there I, was a, go ahead.
0: I was going to say real quick, I don't mean to interrupt you, but I think it's no, incredible no, no. to to note that even at that young age. So you knew that automatic writing was, was wrong. Wrong. Yeah. Wow. wow.
1: Um, They would tell my mom to have me come into the room and sit with her and also ask her, tell her to come and the, put my hands on the Ouija board. So I did do the Ouija board when I was really little and I also would put my hand on the pen and that was another thing. I, I wanted my mom's attention what child doesn't? So sure. that my mom was spending a lot of time doing that so I'd sit at the table and pretend and then after a while I would ask questions to these. Um, I would just pretend I was in, I was interested but I wasn't interested. Mm -hmm. I I was like, Mm -hmm. what is she doing? Okay, I'll sit down. And knowing that a lot of things and activity happened in the house, and I could see it, I knew there was something about it. Um, And it was a mystery that I was either going to solve or get involved with. And unfortunately, uh, there was both. And Mm -hmm. so the discernment of telling my mother, this is not right, because they were talking. I mean, These, they knew things, they knew things about me that my mom didn't know. And so that's how I knew that my mom wasn't just pretending because there's no way the information that was going, you know, coming across could be known. And a lot of the things were, you know, they would tell her that it's going to be okay. And, uh, she, you know, she would ask questions and they would tell her things, even biblical things. Cause the hmm. devil knows too, mm-hmm. but he's, you know, he distorts it. So she felt that she was talking to um, other beings that were in a different, um, let's see, like how people talk about channeling.
0: Right. Okay.
1: Right. So she thought she was actually channeling spirits of, you know, which she was, but there, it was demonic and we're told through the word not to do that you know, don't consult mediums and sorcerers and things like that. And so that kind of led my road to a lot of different things. So at the age of 13, I, um, I had an experience with my dad where he, um, well, he beat me on a regular, he, he, beat most of us but he beat me you know he he was i just was his punching bag at that time i suppose i forgive him and i love him um it it, it is what it is so i had an experience where he held me up by my throat against the wall and i was like oh my gosh i'm this time i'm gonna die and the only thing that i knew was father please forgive me for i have sinned That's what came out of me. That's what you learn when you're, you know, and um, not about the confession. It's been, you know, 50 years since my last confession. Nothing like that. I just said, Father, please forgive me for I have sinned. And I knew that I was going to die. And I looked into my father's eyes and I was off the floor and he had me. And they were black as pitch. And it was it. I, I was done for. And I just, God, forgive me. I've sinned, and then I said, Jesus, this little 12-year-old going on 13, Jesus, and boom, down onto the floor I went. And I waited until he, I mean, he and he just was, my, oh, my mom tried to stop him, my sister tried to stop him, whatever was in him threw them down the stairs, and i I said to myself, if I get out of this, I'm running and I'm never coming back. And so because I wasn't going to be the cause of my mom and my sister getting killed too, mm-hmm. whatever it was that he was doing, they felt, you know, he was killing me. Um, they would get in the way. I didn't think about myself. I thought I got to get out of here. So they live, you know, it was just, you know, strange and thought of a child. Mm-hmm. So, um, I got a hold of friends and said, can I stay with you? And they said yes. The mother said yes. And I told him what, you know, told her what had happened. And um, she was okay that I smoked cigarettes. So I was a smoker at 12, going on 13, smoking cigarettes. And um, so I stayed with them. I would go and see my mom during the day while my dad was at work. And it was just not very far, a couple blocks away. And then my grandma got sick. And my father being that you can, when you come from dysfunction, there's still kind of a pull. and so my father had gotten a hold of me through my mom and said my grandmother needed me to come and help her. And so I did. I, I dropped out I, I was still going to school. That was the, that was the whole thing is that if I stayed with these people, I had to go to school. and by that time I'd already been in four different schools. We traveled across the country in a station wagon running like my dad's butt was on fire, I have no clue. But we got here and there was four different junior highs that I went through. So I'd already, not just me, but my siblings as well, had already gone through a whirlwind of just the whole cultural shock from back east to you know over here, in, you know, the whole, to how many thousands of miles, and new friends and leaving friends. So I stayed mm-hmm. with the friends and the, the stipulation was that you had to go to school. So I was okay with that and they were nice people and I would go and see my mom during the day. And then I just couldn't do it anymore because he would come home at lunchtime. He had a, he had a clue that something was going on. So I went, when I went and stayed with my grandmother, that was my peace. I was like, okay, I don't smoke anymore. I'm clean. I'm not doing pot. I'm not, you know, drinking just to get away from that. It was peace and, and just sweetness and I stayed there for about a year, taking care of her. And then I would, I would feel guilty and go home and check on my mom and um, and my siblings because I had little siblings that I felt very responsible for. They're five five years younger than myself. And so when I went home on those times, I noticed that my brother had got. I, I mean, there was so much demonic activity in that house. I don't because my mom was still playing with the Ouija board. Mm-hmm and i would kept telling her you've got it an automatic writing i'd find it you know she would crumple it up and throw you know throw and i knew and she it was like i was i was the parent and she was the child i was like what is this what are you doing you know what this does you know dad freaks out whatever you know whatever they go into dad and um, wow. then it was my brother and i don't know if he was involved or whatever but i we had an episode where he he broke my face I ended up that at that time I ended up at 13 going 14 just my trip home um with a broken nose and face and
0: wow
1: yeah and so uh my mom told me I wasn't to tell my father because he'd be upset and so I sat in my room with a broken nose for three days by that time it heals so when I came out my dad saw me and that's one thing my dad would hit his children at, but nobody else couldn't, you know, nothing else could happen to them. It's just really strange. Mm -hmm. And so when he saw that, I said, don't touch him. Don't, don't, don't hit him. And I took it upon myself. I was like, I like, I deserved it or something. And um, because I knew I was going to leave again, I was out of there and I had the opportunity if I got to the hospital that I was gonna tell them everything Mm
0: -hmm.
1: that I was done. And so I did end up going. And so that got healed. That was over with. Then I was back on the street, hitchhiking, doing drugs, dropping acid, um, because I would go home and I. I, it was, he wouldn't let me go to my grandmother's anymore because he knew. Mm -hmm. And so here I was, no school, um, hanging out with my friends. When I did go to school, I skipped school. And I knew in my heart, brother, that I didn't want to do those things. I didn't want to be rebellious. I didn't want to do drugs. I didn't want to drink. I didn't want, and I, I, the only thing that I really held on to and I don't know how God protected me was my virginity hmm. because that I was hitchhiking. I was going in people's houses, hmm. you know, going to parties at a very young age. And so that's why my heart is really for the youth too because it's they're a mess right now. Um and I knew I was a mess and a lot of it came from abuse. So I saw this really really nice looking guy boy and that who happens to be my husband now at 40. He rescued me. 40 years, excuse me. 40 years we've been together now and he wow. rescued me. He's 5 years older and um you know shame comes upon you you don't want to tell people you know the things and how can you tell them that you see demons you know and it, it it's really it was really difficult so i had my i'm, I'm gonna just go scoop by um, mm-hmm. i had the best life like it was so amazing like better homes and garden. I was the better homes and garden woman. I had, we had lived on three acres of property, a little log cabin in the woods, just sweetness. Then I had my first daughter and, um, my father would come and when my husband was at work, he'd come down the driveway. And so my PTSD started, like I felt like I had to protect my baby Mm -hmm. started to trigger I can handle him, but he's not touching in, you know, in any way. Is he having the ability to take my daughter anywhere and start his verbiage, abusiveness or any, anything like that. So I always felt protected because my father-in-law was, um, was part of my life who was like a father to me. And so when my father did stop by, there was that other man, you know, a real man that kept him from getting too close to me. Well, when my father passed, father-in-law passed away when I was 23. So he was with, I was with my husband for four years and we got married. So for four years, my, my life was you know like, oh, free. I'm away from him. And then, um, and then I was protected for four years with my father-in-law. Well, my father-in-law passed away when I was 23. So Corey and I were together at 16. Had the baby, I had my first child, my sweetness, um, another miracle C section. And I was twenty and I turned twenty-one two months after she was born. So, like I said, that's all I wanted. I wanted to be married, have a baby within the you know, just peaceful. And he my father in law passed away. I took care of him and it was hard. And I held a lot of emotions. And God told me I had I was praying and I, was, I had a relationship with the Lord and I was praying and I said, Lord, just, if you could just give me one more year with him, just one more year. And the Lord gave me one more year. He had prostate cancer. So it was pretty terminal back then. Um, and after he had passed, I tried to contact him on what's called an angel board. And this mm-hmm. is where all hell broke loose again. Mm-hmm. Okay. I don't mm-hmm. care what you call it. You can call it an angel board it's a Ouija board.
0: Yeah. So yeah. yep. It's all, it's all works the exact you're,
1: same. You're going to get in trouble. Right. And then I started to um, go to, there was this like um, a store that you can get crystals and you can. So I was into crystal stuff. I it just a downward spiral from mm-hmm. one open door. Right. Cap. Cause it right. says you give him a foothold, you give them a foothold. And, you know, the thing is, is that people don't understand if the enemy is on the uh, in any, any way, shape or form. okay, you're holding the door, brother, and you're on one side and somebody else is on the other. All they have to do is get their foot in it and they have leverage and they're in your house. Right. And it says that he comes to silly women laden with sin. I had still. Yes, I had this relationship with the Lord, but I had never repented. Okay. I'd never, I, I'd asked for forgiveness, but there was not really, I, I would talk to God and for some reason, even in my sin, he was still there. Um, and, but we can't, you can't live like that. You know, like God is far away and you just call on him when you need something. And, he he would answer. He would save me from so many things. But I noticed that the more I got involved in things, um, other than when I felt most pure was when I was pregnant with my daughter and then afterwards for a few years. But I touched that Ouija board, that angel board, and I opened up things, and I knew in my heart I wasn't supposed to do. Mm-hmm. I knew it. Mm-hmm. Like I went against what God g- gave me a conscience.
0: Right. And, and the more you do that, the the harder it is to go back to, to the way that you were, at, the easier it is mm-hmm. to violate that conscience, the more that you do it.
1: Yep. And when I bought that board, I met people that were involved in the new age. And so they became my friends. Mm-hmm. And one of those friends had said to me, um, so all you are is like a mom and a wife? And I was like, gosh, that's all I wanted all my life, right? and she's like so you clean the house you take care of your baby you don't go out on friday nights like you don't gr- do girl nights and i was like gosh no i everything i do i do with my husband well it wasn't her voice that spoke to me we know it was the enemy right right and so i ended up uh, going out on a friday night and one friday let Led to another Friday and another Friday, and then years of Fridays, and uh oh, just a whirlwind, a whirlwind. And by the time my daughter was, I think she was seven or eight, I ended up getting recognized because when you're in a club and you know how to dance and, and uh, those things, I got recognized by bad people. Um, I'm thankful that bad things didn't happen to me with those bad people, but I ended up in the nightlife, and through that nightlife, I'm going to spare you all the details. But through that nightlife, I ended up um, women and men. They get taken advantage of, and I, you know, I I still had this. I was from that east, but I had this. I wanted to help people thing. And maybe if I'm doing this, I'm helping out. Then, then, then doors opened. I wasn't helping anyone. Like if I go out on Friday with my girlfriend, it's I'm being a girlfriend to her type thing. Right. But I'm leaving my baby at home and with, well, my little girl with my husband. And so the doors started opening and I became a person that I didn't like you know i think about it now and i was able to control my environment i started to dabble in things that i shouldn't have dabbled in um i would call it like white witchcraft now but sure. um back then i wouldn't and so i knew that i was able to i had a seer's gift and i don't i try not to talk too much about that because it's just like it's so humbling when you have when you're able to see See the, the gifts are without repentance. The word of God says that. So we're born with certain gifts, and the enemy knows. And what God what God will uh, what the enemy means for evil, God will turn around for His glory once we submit. And so, here I am, um, 1999 or 92, about 92. I was asked to be in a ceramics a lot video. And so there was, and I don't want to promote him at all. If anyone knew, and I don't, I don't want to speak unkindly about anyone. But the hip hop rap artists, any kind of music industry, is demonic. It is demonic. Anything that passes over, uh, they'll even say that they talk to Jesus and they pray to Jesus, and they they're christians or whatever there's lots of other Jesuses, and even jesus said if they say jesus is here don't go there don't go there so there's this um i was like okay well he said that he's a christian so i it was just all meshed together brother it was all meshed together even when i started going to church they were drinking they were smoking they they were fornicating with other people not their husbands i was like Okay, so you can be a Christian and still do the, these things? Yeah, because you're forgiven, hmm. right? Mm-hmm. What I noticed is there's no repentance, and that's what God had to show me. And I, I'm going to mm-hmm. get that because it's amazing. He's amazing. Mm-hmm. And so I was doing this video, and what had happened in, the, in this music video was when you put yourself out there and you sign your name, on a dotted line or just a line in general and you sign your name, you're bought. You're bought. And I sold myself not knowing that I sold myself to whatever controls that industry. Okay. And and it even was part of a promote, you know, I was I was young, beautiful, you know, I did like you just, you're young, you know, you have youth on you, Uh, even, even with a a child and, you know, just body image and all these things. I feel so bad for girls because I, young girls, because I understand and young men too. Mm -hmm. So anyway, as we get to this, um, I find myself uh, in situations uh, going to parties, traveling and just getting deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. And I remember that I, when I was on a, on a trip, a so called business trip, uh, I was stoned. I was high and pot. And I remember the young man that was supposed to, like our bodyguard, and he turned and he said, Oh, f- wonderful, stoned models, you know, because that's what they would call when, you know, what we were doing. Back up, back down you know backup dancing and being in music videos and i just was like that's interesting and it just kind of hit me i'm stoned he sees that i'm stoned he's not stoned i'm stoned right mm-hmm. so that didn't change anything life you know kept going and um it was getting bad my my brain was getting bad the thoughts in my head were getting bad um And, but I thought I was okay, you know, I'll just keep hanging out with those friends, you know, taking care of my baby. I was a good mama, uh, so I thought, uh Um, but I knew that I was a good mother in in compared to other people. I wasn't a dancer like other people, so I, I, you you get the compare, you know, you compare yourself to, you know, oh, that's not, that sin's not nearly as bad as that other sin, so so that went on for many years um and i would see demons in people but i just couldn't see them in me Mm -hmm. okay Mm -hmm. and so there there was still something there because i'd be around certain girls and they didn't want anything to do with me and they kept saying uh you have the white light in you you have the white light so of course that you know whatever that was whatever that's supposed to be I mean we know it's new age right mm-hmm. and um so i just was like yep i'm 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 the good witch and um say i'm talking about myself and it's not it's not easy hmm. I'm going to talk about, I'm going to get to Jesus. Go ahead, brother.
0: Yeah, you're doing a great job. I was going to say, it really reminds me too of the Old Testament when, um, you know, um, the pagan practices started to make their way into the temple and it was very subtle and they were trying to mix these pagan practices with, you know, the teachings of God. And these were the highest people in the, in the temple, the highest priests. And um, it, I think it's a, a lot of what's going on today with people that are trying to combine uh, new age, which is paganism with Christianity. And it's just, again, like you were saying, how subtle the enemy is and trying to get through these little small cracks, uh, trying to make himself as sly as possible. Um, But we just, we just can't do that. And and, and as you can tell, like, you you know, I, I was there uh, before I gave my life to Jesus, trying to mix these things together. And as you can tell here, it just doesn't work. Mm
1: -hmm. No, you can't serve two masters, right? Right. So um, yeah, I was calling evil good and good evil. Like I wasn't like that girl over there. And, uh, there was a time where I was working and there was a ma- a particular manager and I knew that he was demonic. Like I, I knew he was really evil and I'm, you know, doing whatever. And, but still knew that this guy was, you wanted to stay away from him. And I, he, he- he would always call me Jersey at that time. Um, I still, you know, well it would come out because it was part of my protecting myself. You'll hear me just, you know, I have an accent a little bit here and there, but I always tried very hard to conduct myself like a lady. But when I felt like I needed to protect myself, I became a little bit more, you know, rough around the edges and New Jersey like, and, uh, he had said something to me, this manager, and um, he told me that he had put my name on a list of people that if anything were to ever happen to him, that they would come after me. So there was, this was part of the grooming, too. Uh, so they would come after my family. Um, they would come after me. And I told him I wasn't afraid of him. and But this was this was mafia style stuff. Okay. This is in, this is what's in the industry. This is who controls the industry. I can get into that, all that another time. If we ever, um, want to do a expose. Sure. But, um, that, that had actually become one of the things when I came, when I started to come, uh, do ministry, I would go into the clubs, um, incognito and take the girls out, bring them, you know, tell him call your mom because these girls were not always girls that wanted to be there you know they get i there was only one one time that i that um that i pretended that i took something that i didn't and i so you just kind of go along to get along and some of this stuff even you know be too much for my my husband's going to listen to this because he will because it you know it there's things that you share and then there's things that you go, wow, you know, you just have that moment. Oh yeah, that happened. So we're kind of, you're kind of going with me on this journey. Mm -hmm. So here I would come home to my daughter and we had money, you know, my husband would see the money and it bought things, but I don't have nothing left from that. I threw, I threw everything away once I came to the Lord. I threw, I wanted nothing, nothing. There was only one thing that, that held on for a few years and i told my husband sell it and that was a pink truck that i just loved to roll around in back when i was you know with my girlfriends in the back so um that being said my little girl would go places with me and then she grew up into a teenager and then um 14 years later came my other sweet daughter and this is when things really changed for me uh i want to get to i just want to get to jesus so as you can see, there was a lot of stuff that accumulated, and I needed Jesus. We need Jesus. And so um, in 1999, I had my second daughter. And while I was pregnant with my, my second daughter, I ended up taking my daughter to this place that was a club and it was called Club Dread, the Dread champions. So it was Christian. Well, it was, they were trying. And so one of the young men there, he's no longer with us. Um, but one of the young men there was a recovering addict and he came to the Lord and he was just on fire for the Lord. And here I was pregnant. And I had my experience again, like, wow, this is, this is what I remember, you know? And so, like I said, when I was pregnant, I felt pure, I felt good, but I, but still there was outside activity that was still coming after me from, um, from many things, but I had to stand strong people, bo- you know, and, and know that they couldn't hurt me. And so that being said, I, um, I'm stand. I went inside, I would take the young people home and, De scabie and de lice them, and it was it was it was really sad. And they were runaways, um, and I I understood. I listened to their stories, and I understood. And the young man said, "Let's pray for Mama." He would call me Mama, and he said, "Let's pray for Mama." So they all got around, my daughter included, which was so cool. Mm-hmm. But brother, I'm going to tell you the the place that I took my daughter to turned into a Christian um, place for young children, young, you know, 13, 14, some of them, 12, um, 16, probably being the oldest being mentored by young men and women in, in their early, like young adulthood. And so I thought, this is so cool. But that place was where I bought the angel board a long time ago, a long time before. So what the enemy meant for evil, God turned, I I might cry a little bit, but on on times, okay, he he turned it around, Mm -hmm. you know, and Mm -hmm. it led me, like, that time of my pregnancy led me back to my daughter before that, you know, before that, there, God was talking to me, he would talk to me in little words, and he would tell me, who to stay away from, don't have, I, I was really seeking him again to, um, before I had gotten pregnant, about 1999, uh, 98, I had her in 99. So 97, I just saw all the wickedness, and I came out from that industry and all that mm. stuff. I wanted nothing to do with it, uh, 98. I kind of filtered in and out of it because it's it's hard to break away from it.
0: Yeah, yeah, I Okay.
1: Because you have friends that are still in it, mm-hmm. and, um, and you're not, you don't have the Holy Spirit, so the Holy, it's the Holy Spirit that keeps us from doing thing those things.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so, but then,
0: all through that time, you felt guided, even through those really difficult moments, you yeah, still felt like the Lord was yeah, guiding.
1: Yeah, yeah, I do I, absolutely. I, I well, we all have angels. We and a lot of people, or how is that angel thing? But we do. We're assigned angel, and even. It talks about it that mm-hmm. the angels are assigned to children. It's in the Bible. It's not, you know, extra biblical. It we the, the angels watch out for us. And so we're we're assigned. And so God does send his ministering angels to keep us from harm's way. But we can rebel against that too. So I don't know. God was there, brother. I mm-hmm. I didn't deserve it. I didn't deserve him to be still talking to me and, and guiding me, uh, keeping me from, from evil. Um, I didn't even deserve him to find me a husband to give myself unto in a co- covenant marriage.
0: Well, that is it for part one, everybody. Thank you for tuning in. Remember, you can contact Elizabeth using her email and Facebook link in the description below wherever you're listening to this her email is an heir to his throne at aol.com her name on facebook is elizabeth nevenfer again you can see those below in the description and uh, thank you for sharing this with somebody thank you for subscribing and rating the podcast whenever podcasts after you're listening to this on i really appreciate all you do to support the podcast look forward to seeing you in our facebook group spirit answers as well where you can get a sneak peek of next week's part two episode with Elizabeth. Thank you for all your support for the podcast, and I will see you all next Thursday. Have a fantastic week. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye.